What's going on, guys? I want to thank TopNotchOdds.com. If you're looking to add a new website to place bets on, I highly recommend TopNotchOdds.com. And, and look, if you already have a couple websites that you like, that you use, you've been using for a while, that's fine. I always say you need multiple websites, multiple outs to shop around at and get the best price. If you, if you could just compare prices in football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, it's going to be different website to website, and you're going to be able to save a little bit here, a little bit there, over the long run, you're going to really burn a hole in your pocket if you don't have multiple websites to shop around on. So do yourself a favor, add one more to your repertoire, and I highly recommend topnotchodds.com. Get your money in easy, get your money out easy, tons of live bets, and of course, lots of, live, lots of uh, options before the games as well. And they're going to have almost every sport available on topnotchodds.com. Enter promo code SHARPEDGE and get up to, all, uh, uh, up to a 200% deposit bonus. Topnotchodds.com, SHARPEDGE. What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, College Football Wednesday. We're going to preview Rivalry Week. Let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. All right, so like we do every Wednesday, I uh, play back a portion of College Football Weekly. It's another podcast that I'm on, hosted by Will Chambers and... Uh, we go through every week and break down the biggest games coming up in the upcoming slate of college football games. And of course, this week is rivalry week. Tons of good games. Uh, Iron Bowl, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We got, we're going to have more bets this, this week than we've ever had before. I know, I think that the most we've had is two bets. We've had eight this season. We've gone against each other head-to-head on eight games so far. And uh, yeah, I am uh, seven and one in those bets. Whoa, I am on fire. So here's the thing. Four games this week we disagree with. Let's get into it right now. The uh, preview for Rivalry Week. I think Maybe we may I'll have throw one starting a double here. Curveball. I think you might. I'm going to curveball the curveball. Starting here, I think we may have our first bet of the weekend. Let's see where you go. Okay, fair enough. So I don't know if this rivalry, will you look up and see this rivalry has a name? A lot of rivalries have names. Virginia sure. Tech versus Virginia. In-state rivals. So Virginia Tech going on the road. This game is in Charlottesville, and the Hokies are three-point favorites on the road. Both teams eight and three. They're both five and two in the conference, which means the winner of this game will represent the Coastal Division for the ACC and face Clemson in the ACC championship game. Uh, weather's calling for uh, low temperatures and rain showers, by the way. So take that as you will. Uh, do, do you want to know the name of it? Yes. It's very complicated name. It's called <laughs> okay. the Virginia-Virginia Tech football rivalry. Oh, wow. Yeah. How, how creative. I know. You know what? They come up with so many great names these days. A lot of creative thinkers out there. All right. The, the Virginia rivalry. The battle for Virginia. We'll just make it up right now. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. The, so the trophy they play for is called the Commonwealth Cup. So okay, maybe it's there like go. Yeah, the, Commonwealth, the Commonwealth It's for the State, Commonwealth right? Cup. Yes, yeah. I believe so. Virginia, one of the original 13 colonies for all you history buffs out Hey-o. there. <laughs> uh, this is all about Hendon Hooker for me. Hendon Hooker, he's taken over the reins of this Hokies offense since October when Justin Fuente benched Ryan Willis. And you can just look at their games since the Miami game when Hooker fully take, took over the job. In the seven games since Hooker took over for Willis, the Hokies are averaging 35 points per game. Their only poor showing on offense came in a 20-point performance on the road at Notre Dame, a very tough team, which, by the way, they only lost that game by one point. This Hokies team has been improving week by week, and in the month of November, 
the defense has really figured it out. Uh, Virginia Tech, for so long, uh, they made their team identity on defense and special teams. That was always what they were for decades and decades, the whole Beamer ball thing and the special team scores. In the last few years, the defense hasn't been up to par. But this being Bud Foster's last year. So Bud Foster, he's the longest tenured assistant coach in college football. He's been the defensive coordinator in Blacksburg for the Hokies now since 1995. And he announced his retirement before the season. He said, this is going to be my last season. All the players have bought in, and they're playing hard for him. There's a real emotional edge for this Hokies team because of that. They just had their last game at home last week against Pitt. Uh, it was his last game in, in in Blacksburg, and you could tell it meant a big deal. Uh, they interviewed him after the game. It was rainy. They, they pitched a shutout against Pitt. So the defense really playing inspired. And now you look at, I mean, they've had – they had strong performances against Notre Dame and Wake Forest, and now two consecutive shutouts. They shut out Georgia Tech and then Pitt. The defense is playing their best at just the right moment. Uh, it's the right moment because if they end their season with a fourth win in a row over rival Virginia, they go to the ACC championship game against Clemson. But don't forget about the Cavaliers either. They too are in the championship if they win the game. Uh, how cool to have two in-state rivals decide a division. You don't see that very often. Well, especially with these two teams. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So these teams, they're very similar statistically when you look at the season numbers. They both are scoring right around 30 points per game. And they're both surrendering 22 points per game. Uh, the Cavaliers being at home, and I think they do have a slight coaching advantage in favor of Bronco Mendenhall over Justin Fuente, in my estimation at least. You might think the side to be on here is Virginia. But I think this line is indicative because I, I think that, you know, it's, a, it's indicative of Virginia Tech turning things around the last month. Because if this game was played in October, I think Virginia would be a three-point favorite at home. But with how well the Hokies are playing right now, they're riding a wave of momentum, and I'm going to hop on the, on the wave and ride it with them. I think Virginia Tech adds to the already lopsided 15-game win streak the Hokies have in this rivalry. I think they represent the Coastal and the ACC next week and actually make it tough for Clemson. So I'm taking the Hokies here. By the way, one last thing I want to throw in. Virginia is... Five and five and one push against the spread this year. Virginia Tech only six and five against the spread, but they started the year one and five against the spread. They've now won five straight against the spread. So I'm taking the Hokies. Tyler. Wanna bet? What? Uh, Would you like yeah. to bet on it? Uh, I knew it. Let's chalk it up. Add it up to our ninth game of the year. I'm going to take Virginia here. Now, this is clearly two teams who are going in different directions the last couple of weeks. And if you just take a magnifying glass and look at November and the last part of October and the bye, how, how these teams played off the bye week and the defense, then you may, as you are, and a lot of people out there are going to be on Virginia Tech this weekend. I think the majority of people are going to be on Tech. But I think if you look at a season total, Virginia is a clearly better defense here, and that's what's going to matter. Virginia's defense is allowing 120 rushing yards a game. That's where Virginia Tech makes their money on offense. 175 on the ground. They're going to throw it for just over 200 yards a game, Virginia Tech is. This is not a team who scares anybody with the passing game. I think Virginia Tech does what they do best, keep the ball on the ground. I just don't think it works, and I do believe both teams run some clock here. I think it may be a bit of a lower-scoring game, even though both offenses will succeed. And here's the thing. When you're talking about both offenses doing well in a game, usually you want to play an over, right? But I think because the style of both teams the uh, that I would stay off the over-under, but I could see a lower-scoring game. It's shading towards the under. Virginia Tech's defense, when you compare it to Virginia, excuse me, Virginia's defense, when you compare it to Virginia Tech's offense lead in terms of head-to-head, -head, how they've matched up this year in all of these stats. 
total score, passing yards a game, rushing yards per game, time on the field, number of plays, and yards per play. Virginia's defense is better than the Hokies' offense in all of those stats. I think we see a hungry team at home and will. If Virginia Tech had motivation, like you said, you think that the Hokies have a motivational edge here, my handicap wouldn't have the merit that it does now. But that 15-game win streak that you mentioned, or 15-game losing streak, depending on how you look at it from Virginia's side, they want to end that. They finally get a coach in there who's giving this team the confidence to win games like this, the confidence to go out there and be a real football team that people fear. I think Virginia gets the win despite having the three points. I'll take the three points at home. Virginia Cavaliers at home. Biggest game in the last decade for this for this team. If not, I mean, when's the last time Virginia played this big of a football game? This may right. be the biggest game ever for Virginia Cavaliers. Give me the better team statistically with the better coach at home, rivalry week, where weird stuff happens, I'll take the Cavs. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that you didn't think they have a passing attack, and you're right. That's not how they, how they you know, butter their bread, so to speak. But since Hendon Hooker's taken over, the guy's completing 60, more than 60% of his throws. He's got 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, you look at his, his game logs, you're right. The, the most passes he's thrown was, you know, he threw 23 passes against Wake Forest, 27 against Rhode Island. So you're right. He's not asked to do that. It's going to be a running game. I just still... To me, this Virginia Tech actually feels a lot like Michigan to me. They feel like a much different team now than where they were earlier in the year. I know you've accounted for all that, but to me, I just think that momentum is going to play a lot in this one. I think Virginia Tech is more confident facing a Virginia team than the other way around. And so, bet board, I love it. You know what I love about this? Tyler's 7-1 and one on the bet board in the eight games we've had all year. Yes. And at this point... I can only win because if you're eight and one, big deal. You're already crushing me. <laughs> exactly. I, now maybe I can crawl, claw out of there. Let, 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 let me get my last. Let me get my last rebuttal okay. here, and then we'll leave uh, leave the game to decide this one. But will I just disagree with the whole teams in different directions? If this were a normal game, that's valid, 100. percent But in rivalry games, I throw that out the window. You can have an 0 and 10 team playing a 10 and 0 team in rivalry week. Both teams are up, so it's max motivation. What's happening the last four weeks doesn't matter for rivalry games. I approach rivalry week a little bit different for handicapping. So what you said, I actually, from a handicapping point of view, really do agree with. I just don't think it's applicable for this game. But let's let them figure it out in between the lines. All right, we're going to add that to the bet board. Let me make a note here so we don't forget that. And then after next (laughs) week... You know, we, we did a mid-season totaling of the uh, record, so let's do that again after next week and let's find out where it. we're at. Um, next game on the board here, Wisconsin. More oh, Rivalry week. All these are going to be rivalry games. Wisconsin goes on the road to Minneapolis at Minnesota. The Badgers, two-and-a-half-point favorites right now at Minnesota. Game day is going to be there, by the way. Once again, rain and snow. So we're we're in Denver. We're, we got the blizzard right now. It just it, we got hit last night and today. Yeah, we're in the Rockies. <laughs> the snow has been coming down. By the time Saturday comes around, all that will have moved east. It's going to hit a lot of these games. So we're expecting near freezing temps, rain and snow. Take that into account for this game. Minnesota, by the way, six four and one against the spread. Wisconsin six and five against the spread. Very similar here. So the current record. I I, I saw this when I was looking at this game. The current record in this rivalry between these two teams, they both have 60 wins and eight ties. That is dead even. Really? So whoever wins this game will be better this year and better this overall in the a, series. This is such a lower-profile rivalry game, though. That's I, a lot of games, though. I, in fact, I think 
I could be wrong. I think Wisconsin and Minnesota might be the the most played rivalry at in all of college football. You're talking about well, almost 130 two games. teams in, the, in a conference that have stayed together. You yeah, don't have for that. sure. Yeah. Old school stuff. So uh, last year's win for Minnesota was the first against the Badgers since 2003. Take that into account. So the Gophers, they, they got back on track last week after they had their first loss of the season against Iowa two weeks ago. So they beat you know a bad record but a feisty Northwestern team on the road last week. So they set up this another rivalry game that's going to decide a conference division winner in this matchup. Uh, the winner of this team is going to represent the Big Ten West and play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. And this is just like la- what I said with the last game, another game where these two teams are very similar to me. They both rank in the top 30 in both points per game offensively and points against defensively. They both have a big win versus one of the top three teams from the Big Ten East. Wisconsin beat Michigan, of course. Minnesota beat Penn State. The only difference I see here, Wisconsin played Ohio State. They got obliterated. And their other loss to Illinois is much worse than Minnesota's only loss to Iowa. Now, for Wisconsin, the biggest thing for them is turnovers. If the Badgers hadn't turned the ball over three times against Illinois, they'd be a one-loss team. And they'd people would still be talking about them as saying, hey, they could make the playoffs if they could just get revenge against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. But no, the turnovers cost them there. Ohio State, when they played Wisconsin, was able to run for more than 250 yards on the Badgers' defense. But otherwise, their defense has held up very well against the run and the pass. It's been a very stingy defense. So, can the Golden Gophers limit Jonathan Taylor and try to force Jack Cohn into predictable passing situations and force some interceptions? The Gophers' defense has been stellar, both against the run and the pass, just like uh, just like Wisconsin. So these teams are just mirror images of each other. But I think the main difference is... Their second, I think Minnesota's secondary is a little bit more talented, and I, I think their quarterback, Tanner Morgan, is far superior to Jack Cohn. And his weapons on the perimeter, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, they're better than what the Badgers offer, which is really just Quintez Cephas. I think this game will be very close. I think it's going to be low scoring. So I'm going with the home team getting the points. And after seeing what Minnesota did at home against Penn State when they had, it was kind of the big game of the week. It was a primetime game. Uh, this being the first time game day has been to Minneapolis in a long in a long time to me this just seems like the environment for PJ Fleck to shine uh Badgers have covered they covered five of their first six games since then just one and four against the spread row the boat go Gophers want to bet oh yeah would you like to bet on it we're I knew you were going to have, gonna have, have some. A bunch. I know we are. Yeah, I'm going Wisconsin. I think I'm just getting the better team, and I think a lot of people are overreacting at how good Minnesota is because of that big win in the middle of the season. And I thought I picked Minnesota that game. I thought that they were going to win that game, but they peaked at that point. They hadn't played a lot of teams before that, and I think they get exposed this weekend. Look, you mentioned it. Wisconsin's defense is not just good. This team's elite. And no one talks about how good Wisconsin is because they're not flashy. Everyone's really used to this whole old Wisconsin story of a really good team who doesn't win the big games. But this year, and those stats I talked about earlier, I like to go down to total score, pass yards, rush yards, time on the field, number of plays, and yards per play, especially the last one, yards per play. Wisconsin will... It's top 10 in the country in every single one of those stats. Their defense is number one in the country. Number of plays, number two in the country. That's just not because their defense. Now, the defense is elite. They've been showing up all year. It's also because the offense. And I think Minnesota's defense, although they've been good this season, top 30 team in terms of rushing yards, they're going to be overwhelmed with Wisconsin's offensive line. This will be by far the highest rated, best offensive line Minnesota's seen all season. And I truly believe Wisconsin approaches this as a... Not, and you know what? I actually want to leave that out because, as I said earlier, 
motivation won't play a huge part in any of these games. So I'm not going to say, oh, Wisconsin's going to show up, blah, blah, blah. Both teams are going to be hungry for this game. Sure. But I think Wisconsin, I think it doesn't matter because Wisconsin has a more talented front, both offensively and defensively. But focusing on the offensive line, I think they control the clock. I think they control the flow of the game. And I think they beat Minnesota pretty good here. Give me Wisconsin. What's the line? Uh... As of last night, it was with Badgers by two and a half. Yeah, I have two and a half on as the well, road. So. so, and the over under forty eight. I I kind of like the under there too. We're talking about it being very cold now. Both teams obviously comfortable playing in the cold. They're both you know up in the uh, the far north, Winterfell for all you Game of Thrones fans. Tyler wouldn't understand that because he doesn't watch good television or movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, they're very similar. And you're right, the Badgers defense is great. But what I saw against Ohio State, and I'm not trying to put Minnesota on the same level as Ohio State because they're not. Kind of sounds but like you are, Will. What Minnesota or what uh, Wisconsin's weakness is on defense is elite guys can break off big plays. And I think that you have that. I think that Tanner Morgan is going to be the X factor in this game. I think that he can have a big game. I think that P.J. Fleck will have a good game plan to make plays for the receivers there. Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, I mentioned them. Both those guys, NFL caliber receivers. I think that they'll be able to make enough big plays there to, for Minnesota to probably win this game, let alone you're giving me two and a half points at home. So I love it. Another bet board game for us. That makes two this week. Gosh, this could go really good or really bad <laughs> for me with uh, with this many. I think we're going to have some more. So uh, next up, next game. Sounds like we're going to have a bet board game for this one too. Uh-oh. Uh, the Alabama. Iron Bowl. <laughs> Alabama goes on the road to Auburn. They're three and a half point favorites. That's still uh, three and a half, Tyler. It was three and a half last night. Uh, game total of 50 here. So, uh, Bama, they are 6-5 and five against the spread. They have covered three of their last four, by the way. Auburn, one of the better teams against the spread all year. They're 8-3 and three against the spread. They started 5-0. and oh. Now, I know Tua is hurt, but his backup, Mac Jones, he's solid. He's solid enough. And don't forget about Tua's younger brother, who we mentioned earlier, by the way. The other Tagovailoa, Taulia, whatever. Tally. Tally. <laughs> That's what he'll always be to us. Uh, he came in through a touchdown last week. Look, this... This Bama team, it's leaps and bounds ahead of Auburn. The lowest score they've put up all year long is 35 points against Tennessee, and that was when Tua got hurt the first time and he missed most of the game. Even without Tua, they're going to score. Spread is four. Four. Okay, so that line moved. Alabama minus four. I still like I still like Alabama here. Uh, with Without Tua, even without Tua, they're going to score 30. And we're talking about an Auburn team that couldn't score 21 points or more against Florida, LSU, Ole Miss, or, or Georgia. 20 points or less in all four of those games for the Auburn offense. I don't see any way the Tigers can score here, even at home. And now with Oregon losing, I'm telling you, Alabama still has a real shot to make the playoff, and I promise you, Nick Saban and the Tide players, they know this. They know they still have a chance. So it's not like they're not going to be motivated because two is out. They know they can still win this game. They know their backup is more than capable. This is my best bet of the week. Oh, Bama wow. by four points is too damn easy. Wow. Bama has won four of the last f- uh, five games against Auburn, and all four of those wins has been by 16 points or more. Roll Tide, Tyler here. Bet board. Bring it on. I want to hear your bet down. What? Would you like to bet on it? This, to me, comes down to Auburn's defense against Alabama's offense, and I also like the under in this game. I think Alabama struggles to move the football, has a very long day. I'm not sure how much Bo Nix and this Auburn offense can do, but I'll get back to them in a second. I just think Auburn's offense gets stifled. This backup gets exposed. Look, who was it? You and Alabama's offense, right? Thank you. Uh, Georgia Southern and then Arkansas, I believe, are the two teams Alabama's beaten. Am I correct there? What? With, with this backup? Uh, no, it was it was Western Carolina and uh, 
Mississippi State? I yes, 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 yes. Okay. Both bad teams. Two bad defenses, two bottom 100 defenses in many statistics in the country, okay? Alabama's offense is overall very, very good, but you need an elite quarterback to lead against an Auburn team, and I believe there's going to be pressure. They're going to be in his face. They're going to confuse. What's this backup's name for Alabama? Mac Jones. They're going to confuse Mac Jones. Uh, a lot of pressure on the outside, a lot of pressure up the middle, stunts on the defensive line. A lot, they're going to show you know eight people on the front, drop six of them back to coverage. There's going to be so many things Gus Malzahn and his staff are putting together to confuse Alabama's offense. That's what the game comes down to for me. Alabama's offense versus Auburn's defense. I will take the Tigers' defense to have a massive advantage. Okay, here's the other thing: when you flip the side, when you flip the ball, Alabama statistically has had one of the worst years linebacker-wise in a long time. Not getting to the outsides, not covering the field side to side. The most receptions ever allowed, or the most receptions allowed under Nick Saban in Alabama for linebackers against slot backs, H backs, running backs. And I think that's where, Al- where Auburn exposes them. Auburn's one of the better teams getting the ball to the running backs and tight ends, too. No one ever talks about Auburn using the tight ends. They're one of the better teams in the SEC going up the middle. And so to me, it's more of an X's and O's when Auburn's on the field. And I know I mentioned earlier, motivation doesn't play a huge part, really much of a part at all in these handicaps for me, but I do want to note, and I do think it's important, that Bo Nix, the quarterback of Auburn, grew up an Auburn fan, and I think we can both agree, if we ever had the privilege to play for you, University of Michigan, me, University of Colorado growing up, right, if things went completely different... It would mean everything. It means something different. And I know that everyone approaches rivalry games. All these kids approach rivalry games the same, and it means so much, and you want to win, and you get the trophies and the bragging rights. And a lot of these games are, frankly, for more. You go on to championships or so on and so forth. But I really, really, really believe that Bo Nix... Hating Alabama his, his entire life. Growing up as a kid, there, there, there's pictures of him at the Cam Newton championship game. He's just growing up hating Alabama. And, and, and kind of a sociological twist here, if Bo Nix is a senior, I don't think it's as big of a deal. I think he has time to grow into this rivalry. It kind of maybe dilutes through the years. Because he's a freshman, it means so much more. I think that's an upgrade for Auburn's offense. You put it all together, give me Auburn plus the four points. At home, in the Iron Bowl. Let's go, Tigers. All right. Uh, freshman quarterback being a positive against Alabama. You heard it here first, folks. Sounds weird, doesn't Tyler it? Tyler Walgie likes the freshman I against know, Alabama. But, defense. Will, come on. He doesn't look like a freshman. You're 2019 right. 2019 is a different season. I'm excited. Let's talk for two seconds about Colorado University, my team. I'm excited because next year we have a freshman coming in. How... how Ten years ago, no one's ever saying we got a freshman coming in next year. We're really stoked They're on this guy. They're usually not even playing. Exactly. Yeah. Now it's the era where you expect them to come in and look good. And I've lost enough money on Bo Nix this year, so I don't know if the whole he's a fresh. But you know what, Will? The Iron Bowl's a big deal. It's Very the, big it's, deal. It's the one, biggest I game mean, of the year, and you yeah. don't know how anyone's going to respond fan or not but I, I would give it an upgrade that's that's what handicapping is is sometimes trying to answer these unanswerable questions because I mean being honest if if we knew let's say we knew Bo Nix okay and could talk to him either get him on the show or text him in private I guarantee he's gonna say yep I'm ready to go so on and so forth he thinks he's ready to go I'm sure he does should we slide into his DMs and find out <laughs> let's do it but it may change when he walks on the field but I do think that because he grew up a fan I know what it's like to be a true fan. And he's in the middle of SEC country where it matters more. Give me Auburn here, man. Let's go, Tigs. Okay. 
Well, keeping Let's go, with Gus. The, uh, Come on, Gus. Three bet board games. This I is know. more than we've ever had. Yes, in one. I'm not even sure if we've had two in a week before. So, uh, next up, this is what's the name for this? So we got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. This one has a name. Bedlam. Bedlam. Yes. I'm so stupid. It was the name uh, of a podcast I, I did know. last year. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know why that slipped my mind. So the Bedlam game, Oklahoma. They go on the road to Stillwater, Stinkwater, as some Sooner fans would call it. Uh, they are 13-point favorites on the road right now. Oklahoma State, 8-3, and three, by the way. They're 5-3 and three in conference. Uh, starting quarterback and wide receiver from the beginning of the year, early in the season, Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace, both out. But both those guys are studs. That's a big thing here. Backup quarterback for the Cowboys, Drew Brown. He played well in his first start against West Virginia last week. But he'll need to play at a higher level if the Cowboys want to take down the Sooners because you can expect Oklahoma and Alex Grinch and the defensive staff to game plan around stopping Chuba Hubbard. That's that's kind of the last big the last big name that Oklahoma State has left on offense. I think Oklahoma is going to assume that if they can stop Chuba Hubbard and force Drew Brown to beat them through the air, that's what they want to do. Now on the other side, the Sooners they've been lucky to win their last three games all of which were won by four points or less. They really could have lost all three of them. Their offense has slowed a bit uh, over the last five games, and oddly enough, the Oklahoma State defense has kind of looked solid. It was one of the worst defenses earlier in the year. Kind of looked solid over the last month. They held Iowa State and TCU to 27 points each. That's not terrible. Then they followed those games up. They allowed just 13 points to Kansas, and then 13 points again to West Virginia two weeks in a row. Oklahoma is certainly a different animal offensively than those teams, but it's still a sign of improvement. Now, Oklahoma, they have won 14 of the last 16 games between these two straight up, and only five of those wins have been by one score or less. However, Oklahoma State, they're 9-2 and two against the spread this year, one of the best teams against the spread all year. The Sooners, 4-7 and seven against the spread, including 0-4 oh in their last four games, 1-6 in their last seven. That's not a good trend. But even still... I think this is where the Sooners bounce back, and then I think they don't play terrible. I think they know that they got really lucky to get to be three and zero in their last three games. I think they blow out Oklahoma State here. All the stats are kind of telling me that Oklahoma State should cover here, and that's why I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go against the grain. I think the Sooners can actually uh, get a big win here. I think Jalen Hurts has a huge day. I'm taking the Sooners. You want to bet? What? Would you like to bet on it? Four games. That makes four this oh week. I am taking the Sooners plus the thir- or excuse me, the Cowboys plus the thirteen points. And this actually, to me, comes down to Oklahoma State's defense against OU's offense. And as I said earlier, I think the blueprint is out. This is how you stop Oklahoma defensively. Uh, the, the the Cowboys too. If you go back and look, the Cowboys have done pretty well st- statistically against Oklahoma. Even when Oklahoma scores points against the Cowboys, they don't really get that many yards. So the familiarity the familiarity here between both these teams, I really like the Cowboys, and I think it's being made too much of Spencer Sanders and Tyler Wallace being out. Those are huge names and they're very productive names. But I believe Mike Gundy has a plug and play system and he does a great job recruiting guys to fit that system. I think he also uses Mike Gundy, I'd say, is a top five coach in terms of motivation in the country. So if there's one coach who can get his team to feel like they can win a game like this, even with a backup quarterback, it is Mike Gundy. As you said, 9-2 against the spread. What does that mean? What does that say? That says that Oklahoma State has consistently been outperforming expectations and the market's not catching up. Clearly, they're not getting sharp money. They're not getting square money. No one's really betting on Oklahoma State this year and they're 9-2 and against the spread. That's how you get records like that. The market doesn't need to adjust because they're not losing too much money on one team. I think, though, this week, a lot of people... 
I'm not sure where the majority of people are going to be looking this week. Where do yeah. you think? Where do you think the 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 square money is going to come in? I think. I mean, most average fans will note that Oklahoma has been really struggling, um, but maybe they just don't know how good. I, I think it'll probably be split right down but, the middle. But that's honestly not a huge part of my handicap because, like I said earlier, it doesn't matter to me how you've been performing the last couple of weeks. It is rivalry week. Everything goes out the window this one week. And so I'm going to take the Cowboys' defense to show up maybe in the first half and keep it closer, allow the Cowboys to get that lead. Oklahoma is probably going to win this game, but 13 points is far too many. They're playing at Boom Pickens Stadium. You ever been to Boom Pickens? T Boom Pickens. No, I haven't. It looks cool, though. Yeah, it's on yeah, my list. Yeah, very cool stadium. Um, I think the fans show up. I, it, this is a huge game for Oklahoma State. And even though they're eight and three, they have a chance. The, the the bowl games, when you look at the projections between nine and three at eight and four, that's kind of the line, the demarcation line between very good potential bowl games near uh, New Year's or the bowl games that kind of fall back. So Oklahoma State still does have a lot to play for this game. I'll go Cowboys plus thirteen. Their defense shows up, surprises some people, but their offense as well with the, with a backup at uh, at quarterback, backups on the outside. I think Chubba Hubbard has a nice day. They find a way to move the football. We'll take the Pokes plus 13. All right, that's four for four on bet board games <laughs> it here. Is. Gosh, <laughs> this is going to be a big one next week. Uh, last game, it's the game. They call it that. One of the biggest rivalries in all of sports. Uh, are, you know, that and Iron Bowl, probably the two biggest college football rivalries anywhere. Uh, and Ohio State here, nine-point favorite on the road at Michigan. You know what they say about this game? What's a big deal? It's only a game. It's not just a game. It's a war. <laughs> it is a war. Little fun history lesson for you guys. Uh, the rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan is not just the schools; it's the states. People in Ohio tend to not really uh, care for the state of Michigan. Why one is of their that? sayings is, "I'll tell you." One of their favorite sayings is, uh, "Woody Woody Hayes, uh, you know, legend head coach at Ohio State, used to say, I 'I don't give a damn for the whole state of Michigan.'" Uh, the reason why is they fought. This was in the 19th century. They nearly. Uh, actually went to war with their militias over the Toledo Strip. It's a thin strip in North... Uh, the Toledo Strip Club? I've been there. <laughs> just the Toledo Strip. Oh. Thin strip where, obviously, Toledo is. It's in the northwest uh, corner of Ohio, right on the border with Michigan. And uh, the president, uh, uh, I can't remember who at the time, uh, he actually had to send the uh, United States military to keep any conflict from happening. Wow. And uh, Ohio was able was you know allowed to keep the Toledo Strip and in return, Michigan got the Upper Peninsula. So that's kind of how that worked out. So The more you know. Exactly. The more <laughs> you know. A lot of bad blood between these two states. So Buckeyes, nine-point favorite here on the road. They're going to Ann Arbor. Once again, cold temperatures, snow and rain predicted as of now. So I think, look, this game is near and dear to my heart, obviously. I think there's two ways to look at this game. You can look through the lens of straight-up matchup and through the lens of the rivalry. Ohio State, they may have... Uh, had their moments last week against Penn State where they looked beatable. But if not for those three fumbles between Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins, a couple of which very fluky, I think Ohio State might have won that game 45-7. to Penn State couldn't even score until Sean Clifford got knocked out of the game, and it looked like Ohio State just simply hadn't game planned for their backup. Uh, I know it's easy to look at any game and say, if they don't fumble it here or if they don't fuck up that one play there, things can be so different. But I really think you can apply that here, and I'll tell you why. This rivalry game is one of the best in all of sports. You can debate whether the Iron Bowl is bigger or the Michigan-Ohio State game is bigger. It doesn't matter. All you need to know is that this really is the biggest game for these teams every single year, regardless of record. If you think 
that just because Ohio State already locked up the division and their spot in the Big Ten championship game, that they won't be a thousand percent invested in this game, you're an idiot. What I've learned over the years in this rivalry is that it doesn't matter if Ohio State looks vulnerable against other teams because those are other teams. You're always going to get Ohio State at their best in this game. They've won seven straight, and the year before they, uh, before Michigan won their last game, they won seven in a row before that too. So they've completely dominated this rivalry, but yet they still don't ever fall asleep in this one. Michigan's not ever going to catch Ohio State on an off game, or at least they never did under Urban Meyer. And I don't have any reason to believe they will under Ryan Day at the moment. Uh, look, there's a lot of reasons why Michigan can cover here and even win, honestly. There's a chance. They've, they're playing their absolute best right now. They're peaking at the right time. They're at home where Michigan plays way better at home under Harbaugh. All the stats uh, show it, that they're a much better team at home than on the road. Shea Patterson, he's been on fire. He threw five touchdowns last week. He had four the week before that. They quit fumbling the ball at an insane rate like they had been over the first half of the year. The defense has improved greatly since the Wisconsin game. With the cold weather, possible rain or snow, I think that bodes well for Michigan. And you got to think about Don Brown, too. He's had this game in his uh, in his head every day since they gave up 62 last year to Ohio State. That's the worst game of his whole career. He's a very uh, renowned defensive coordinator. So I do expect him to have a better game plan here to slow down Justin Fields, who, by the way, might be a little dinged up. His left hand uh, might got hurt somehow. Might have helped him fumble the ball twice last week. His left ankle got a little twisted up at the end of the Penn State game. So there is that. But once again, this game means so much to both of these teams. And I think we will see the best out of both these teams on Saturday. And unfortunately, the best for Ohio State is too good for Michigan. I really hope I'm wrong. Nothing would make me happier than for Michigan to win this game. I really, you know, I want them to. But I think Ohio State is going to win by 14 or more here. Uh, I'm taking Ohio State against the spread. But still, fuck Ohio State. Go blue. Last game of the year. Brent can't hold anything back now. Uh, let's see if I can coax a bet out of you here. Because I don't <laughs> like a standard bet, but okay. I don't want to duck, dive, dip, dive, dodge any bets here. Would you be down to take a first half bet against me? Because I don't necessarily like Michigan for the game, but I like Michigan first half. I believe Michigan comes out with enough motivation, enough fire the defense shows up shutdowns shuts down ohio state in the first half maybe gets a turnover or two and and really starts with a bang i could see michigan ending the first quarter with a lead but throughout the course of 60 minutes i'm not as confident about uh, michigan keeping that i think ohio state's too good throughout the course of an entire game but i really believe that at home with a lot of motivation these guys on the team are well aware of jim harbaugh's record against ohio state they want the win as well let's not forget since jim harbaugh's been losing all these kids have been losing too they want to beat ohio state i like michigan plus four and a half in the first half what do you think about that uh i don't know it's a good, know, it's I, a decent approach. It is think? a decent approach because look, they in those two years uh, last year, Michigan was only down nine at half, ended up losing by like twenty-two or something like that. The two years before that, Michigan was leading at half both those games. So I think I think you're probably smart to say that. I don't know that I'm willing to take a bet against that. The thing that the thing that uh, that should worry you the most, I'd say, if you are trying to take Michigan first half, is Chase Young. Everyone's talking about him, but it's not just him; it's the whole defensive line. But I guarantee you... Agreed, but but I have a quick counter for that. Yeah. I believe that Michigan comes out with some tricks up their sleeve. I think that Michigan comes out with maybe a completely different look offensively altogether. And it may take the halftime adjustments for Ryan Day and his staff to be able to... 
get, use their get it going. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that it's not just the first half and every. And, and and I know that Ohio State has the guys, especially in the defensive line. I think it's also the scheme that Michigan comes in with a few different things, so that allows them to kind of have that advantage in the first half. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're asking me to bet. I'm asking I, you to I, bet. I, it. I, I get. You're yes, I me, am. You're asking me to bet <laughs> Ohio State against Michigan twice, and that just hurts my heart too much to do that. I'm just not once. Do I don't it. want to take the minus nine. I don't want to take the full game bet. I just want the no, first half. Bet. I'm not willing to no, right, add to your no, bet right, board lead. Right, but look, right. I, I'm really interested to see how Chase Young does because Michigan's offensive line has been very good this year. They have a fifth-year senior at left tackle, John Runyon Jr. His, you know, his dad, obviously John Runyon, he was an All-Pro offensive lineman in the NFL for a long time for the Raiders. He's been solid. And I think he'll be able to handle his own against Chase Young. Now, what that means is probably Chase Young will only get one sack or one and a half sacks against him. That's how good Chase Young is. But the right tackle, where they move Chase Young around from side to side, the right tackle is a redshirt freshman. His name is Jalen Mayfield, and he has done very well for a redshirt freshman this year. He's played very solid, but he's going to have his hands full against Chase Young. I know they're going to match him up there. I'm interested to see what Michigan does to try to take him out of the game, whether it be you make him the read guy in the read option game to make him commit and try to keep him out of the game. Will they double team him, which still might not even work? You're right. I I, I hope you're right about Michigan having some trick plays and doing some trick things. I'm tired. The last few years, Michigan would bust out these great trick plays that no one had seen and score touchdowns when they played Maryland or Rutgers and then, of course, have nothing against Ohio State. I'm, I really hope if Michigan's going to have a – if Michigan has a chance to win this game, they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to have tricks up their sleeve. Shea Patterson is going to have to have the game of his life. That defense is going to have to play out of their mind. All that is possible. It's just not very likely. So I'm not willing to pick Michigan here as much as it hurts my heart to say, believe me. I took them last year, and it ripped my heart out. Uh, you know, I'm just tired of Ohio State winning this game. It's. It, I hate, too, that it, the game is the – the noon kick you know it's the no, early no. game <laughs> yeah. because then it sets the tone for the whole rest of my day it'll be hard <laughs> for me to enjoy alabama auburn or any of these other rivalry games if michigan loses again so uh you know go blue i really hope they win but if i'm betting my money on it i'm still taking the buckeyes here good stuff man can i uh, tell a dirty joke of it, course. It's actually well. It may be kind of as long as it's not the Herman and Berman joke. No, it's not the Herman. It, it may be crossing the line a little bit, though. It may be distasteful. Well, can we I can always bleep it? it out. Tell it. Yeah, you're right. We can tell it. Out I like if, distasteful if jokes. Improve. You know me. Who who was Chase Young named after? Chase <laughs> Young. I really hope you're not going where I think Jeffrey you are Epstein. Here. Oh boy. But okay. I'm- Topical humor. You like that? Totally. Get it? Definitely 100% killed himself. Right, guys? Get it? <laughs> Chase Young. I get it. No, yeah. Okay. I, I totally understood I don't the know joke. if I should elaborate yeah. on here. Yeah, there you go. Didn't kill himself. Anyways. <laughs> uh, no, he, you guys read no whatever you want. There's no way that dude killed himself. There's yeah. absolutely no hey, way. Hey, you know me. I'm, I'm a fan of conspiracy theories. That one's right there at the top of the list. So. Do you think the Earth is round? Yeah. Do you think I'm we've not, ever been I, to the moon? I like conspiracy theories. I'm not stupid. Do you think we've been to the moon? Uh, I think we have, yes. Okay, uh, that go. one, at least, you could maybe convince me if you, you know, got a couple those drinks are two in biggies. me. It, those are the two biggies. If you're Colorado good with those, if you're, if you're not with those, then you're fine. Look, I, I can sympathize a lot more with people saying they fake the moon landing than saying the Earth is flat because that's just stupid. Uh, well, well m- math uh, easily, uh, you know, fixes that problem. No, Anyone totally. Wanna? We've been to the moon. There's there's proof we've been to the moon. Is the you know the the footage about the moon landings that that honestly could be faked. Because what, what a theory is that I've heard a lot. I actually heard it for the first time on the Joe Rogan podcast a year or two the ago. The radiation belt? Is that what you're going to talk no, no, about? No, no, no. That, that it's very plausible that what happened is 
they went to space and maybe the the footage got fucked up right because the radiation up, that's oh, what I was oh, saying. oh okay yeah it, it, it messes up the film yeah and because they didn't have film the, there was a space race and it was very intense between America and Russia so on and so forth and that America knew they went to the moon and came back they just didn't have any proof so right. they so they then so faked, they faked the footage it. in a studio that could be very possible but the Gosh. idea that they never went to the moon is we should do a conspiracy pod because I love this stuff yeah. you're right so no, <laughs> I think they went it. there and the earth is definitely round and Jeffrey Epstein definitely did not kill himself absolutely so. not with you there nope. that's all we got for the games <laughs> this week guys all right hope you guys enjoyed that good luck this weekend and uh <laughs> that conspiracy theory talk at the end I, I i didn't know whether we should put that in or not and it's like you know what let's keep it i think everyone out there maybe a conversation starter if nothing else but uh there you go like i said good luck this weekend for rivalry week we'll talk to you tomorrow sharp angle this is the sharp angle Every day on your favorite podcast player.